0: Welcome to the badgerblitz.com podcast. I'm your host Benjamin Wargle, the Wisconsin football and men's basketball beat writer for badgerblitz.com with the Rivals Network getting you set for a important weekend of Wisconsin athletics. Not just on the hardwood, Wisconsin and number 5 Illinois at the Kohl Center tomorrow afternoon for senior night, but Wisconsin hockey closes out their regular season against Ohio State at Laban Arena. We're going to talk a about Wisconsin hockey on the show with Brian Posick, the voice of Wisconsin hockey. Badger hockey, number five in the country with an outside shot to win the Big Ten regular season title with two weeks remaining in their season. We'll talk to Brian here in a little bit, but the number one show in town is Wisconsin basketball. Wisconsin did their part. They won at Northwestern last Sunday. Pretty convincing win even though it looked kind of ugly from an offensive standpoint 68-51 badgers put five players in double figures for the first time in a big 10 game this season wisconsin just shot 41 percent but they held northwestern to 40 percent and only uh, one player for the wildcats went into double figures so i mean it's a good win it's a win that we talked about last week a game that wisconsin had to have because it was probably represented the last really bad blemish on their resume and now Wisconsin goes into the gauntlet. Illinois tomorrow, you have Purdue next week, Tuesday, and then the regular season closes a week from Sunday at Iowa. And Wisconsin has been kind of fortunate in the sense that they haven't had to play catch-up this week because of COVID with all these rescheduled games or shifted around games. The Bachelors have were able to have Monday and Tuesday off and then practice Wednesday, Thursday, and we'll have a, a walk-through today before tomorrow afternoon's game. Illinois is kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum the wild, the the Fighting Illini, excuse me, played on Saturday against Minnesota. Then they played earlier this week at Michigan State and lost. And Io DeSumo, their star point guard, suffered a broken nose in that game. He is now out indefinitely. At least that's what Illinois is classifying it as in terms of a timetable. He did not play last night in their lopsided win over Nebraska. But Illinois has got a very tough stretch coming up here that starts with Wisconsin tomorrow. And it'll be interesting to see how the fighting Illini are going to replace Ayo Dusumbu, who Wisconsin fans know absolutely torched the Badgers down in Champaign this month with a triple-double. And the two-man game that him and center Kofi Coburn played just gave Wisconsin fits, Uh, with Coburn able to roll to the rim for those easy lay-ins at the bucket, like eight uncontested dunks in that game, 10 of 13 shooting, And then DeSomo, even though he had uh, seven turnovers, was just incredibly uh, efficient with with his ability to really make the offense click. Six of 12 from the floor, nine of 11 from the free throw line, 12 rebounds, 12 assists, two steals, plus 18 in his time. And Coburn, 10 of 13, uh, 10 of those buckets came on five from Io. So it'll be interesting to see how Illinois will respond uh, to a tougher opponent, Wisconsin is tougher than Nebraska, despite the Badgers' struggles, especially defensively, without their star point guard. You look at the game from last month, Trent Frazier, their their senior, he was just one of seven from three, three of nine from the field. That's going to probably where most of the pressure will lie. How will Illinois line up then? Illinois started uh, Jacob Granison and Coburn as kind of a forward center. Will Wisconsin choose to go? uh bigger like they like they did earlier in the year where they continue to stick with their lineup of trice and davison at guards ford and wall kind of at that guard forward spot and then certainly micah potter at center the one thing we know is that wisconsin has to shoot the ball better the badgers started that game down champagne nine of 30 from the field and zero of nine from three-point range it dug too big of a hole and were never able to climb out of it the badgers tried they shot 53 percent in the second half but they went four of 15 from three-point range And despite that 53% shooting, Illinois still outscored them by two because the Illini were so efficient rolling to the basket and scoring in the paint. 38 points in the paint. They were able to get out in transition, nine fast break points, and they scored 15 points off 10 Wisconsin turnovers. 11 Wisconsin turnovers, excuse me. On the flip side, Wisconsin had 10 steals in the game that led to 18 turnovers, but the Badgers, because they shot so poorly, or only able to score 12 points. It was important in the Northwestern game from the sense that the Badgers got a couple players who had been scuffling to hit some hit some shots and have that confidence going. Dimitri Trice had missed 10 shots in two of the last three games, but he was five of six from the field, five assists, three turnovers in 34 minutes. You look at Tyler Wall. Tyler Wall did not start the game particularly well at all. He by taking no shots. In eight minutes, he had two fouls in that time too, and then he scored ten, all ten of his points in the second half. Four of eight from the field. Good to kind of see him moving forward. Brad Davison, who we've talked about at nauseam how much he's been scuffling. He was 0 of three in the first half, and then he went three of seven in the second half. Hit a couple threes. Got to the free throw line, which has been important for this team. Something they don't do nearly enough of is Wisconsin doesn't kind of draw contact and get those free points from the line. Davis had all 12 of his points in the second half, and Wisconsin went 6 of 8 from the free-throw line in the second half. It's encouraging to see the Badgers go 13 of 15 from the line, even just make 15 trips. And seven of those trips came from Jonathan Davis, who did not shoot particularly well, 3 of 8, missed his only three-point attempt, but he got to the foul line seven times and made six free-throws, 12 points. That's big for Jonathan Davis, who's probably the one player on this team who can attack the rim confidently, and aggressively, and is not afraid to go in there. He just hasn't drawn contact all that much. And then Micah Potter was efficient, too. Micah Potter plays the best when he's angry. Well, he needs to be angry more often for this team. 19 points, 7 of 8 from the field, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 turnover, 2 steals, and a block in uh, just 23 minutes of action. So good minutes from Micah Potter. But, of course, this is against Northwestern. And Northwestern has lost 12 straight, which was coming into the game, moved to 13. Uh, Wildcats ended that losing streak on uh, on yesterday. I'll get into that in here just a little bit, but... Wisconsin has not fared well against the low-post talent in this league. We saw it against Hunter Dickinson. We saw it against Colburn the first time. We saw it against Luka Garza. Uh, we see it against uh, the big man uh, E.J. Liddell from Ohio State. Uh, Indiana's big man, their young big man, too, uh, was able to take advantage of Wisconsin. Without Dasumu, assuming he does not play, how will Wisconsin handle Colburn? Can they afford to double him and leave someone open, let someone else beat them uh does wisconsin continue to go single coverage with with reavers and potter uh, nate reavers getting back to him for a reason just isn't a funk and will cannot get out of it two points one of six field goals he's probably a better low post defender than michael potter in fact i know he's a better low post defender than michael potter but potter's bigger uh so he doesn't give up as much size and coburn is every bit of the 280 some he's listed he's probably even bigger than that that's not a good matchup for Nate Reavers, and having Reavers on the floor is now an, a liability for Greg Gard because he gets he's getting no production out of his spot in the lineup. So will Potter start, and will Potter play considerable minutes? Uh, how will Wisconsin's rotation be in this game? The Badgers are have been working for, with a seven-man rotation the last two games because Trevor Anderson is out uh, with an upper body injury, and he's considered day-to-day. Of course, if Anderson's in the lineup, that's really not going to help Wisconsin, the Badgers were hoping to have Ben Carlson play a little bit this year. Remember, Carlson had that great debut in the season opener against Eastern Illinois with with uh, 13 points, but he's been missed. He hasn't gone through a full practice since December, and you'll hear an update from Greg Gard here in just a little bit. So Wisconsin has to rely on on Reivers, and they have to rely on Potter because there's not going to be another forward on this roster that has the skill sets and the experience to handle. Probably won a first-team All-Big Ten selection, or at least in the conversation for one. Wisconsin needs to shoot the ball better, and they have to defend Colburn. They are fortunate they're not going to have DeSumo to worry about, we think. Uh, I can't imagine that DeSumu is going to be ruled out indefinitely on Thursday, and then two days later he's going to turn around and play. I don't think his nose is going to magically heal itself to the degree where he could be fitted for a mask. So that's a huge loss for the Illini, Obviously, And it's going to be important for Wisconsin to take advantage. They've had a week off here between games. Illinois will be playing their fourth game in seven days. They're going to be tired. They're a little bit haggard here, even though it hasn't been uh, the toughest of schedule, even though that game at Michigan State, the Spartans are now making a run. And we'll get into that here in just a little bit. Wisconsin has three games left that are all quad one games. And their net profile is very good. Uh, You look at where they rank, even though they're 16-8 overall, they're 18th in the net rankings. They don't have a loss outside quad two all season. You know, they're four and six in quad one games and five and two in quad two games. Uh, It's it's a solid resume, and it's probably going to be in that five, six seed range if the tournament starts today. But Illinois tomorrow will be a quad one game. Illinois is fifth. In the net rankings, then you go against Purdue and Purdue is another uh, top 30 net ranking team, they're ranked 26 on the road and then you finish the season at Iowa, Iowa is six and Iowa is beatable as Wisconsin found out earlier this month, not too long ago that if Wisconsin would just make shots. They can beat anybody, and Iowa did not look that great against Michigan State on Thursday night either. So there's some opportunities here for Wisconsin to kind of climb themselves back up, to build some momentum heading into the Big Ten tournament. That's what Demetrius Trez and Brad Davidson talked about earlier this week to the reporters, that that Northwestern game, while not perfect, got them closer to that full 40 minutes, something that's really been missing for this team this year. That inability to stick two halves together and even four minutes together to make that full 40-minute complete performance against a good team. Wisconsin hasn't really beaten a great team this year in Big Ten play. They have three opportunities to do that here coming down the stretch. Here's head coach Greg Gard talking to reporters about uh, the first matchup with Illinois and what went wrong, talking about senior night, which Wisconsin will still honor their six seniors tomorrow, and about just how much... Has how, many, how much has changed in a year with this team? That last March, they were going in red hot and had the Big Ten tournament taken away from them. This year, sculpting a little bit, but have an opportunity to kind of redeem themselves for a lackluster regular season with that Big Ten tournament. Here's head coach Greg Gard.
1: Yeah, Greg, after that first Illinois game, you talked about defending those ball screens and you said there were different areas, different breakdowns. When you look back at the tape, any one area, more than the other that affected the way you guys defended that in that first meeting or not? Well, I think you, you look at the whole thing and, and the, obviously defensively, you got to be connected and having all five pieces or parts working together. So, um, you know, there were, it wasn't one specific thing all the time. It, it varied from whether it was the ball handler, whether it was the screeners defender involved, whether it was the backside and, and protecting the rim, um, loading the paint, those type of things. So I wouldn't say it was one thing all the time. Um, sometimes it was a combination. So that, that synergy that we talk about and being in sync defensively and, and uh, you know, if we expose the paint too soon, uh, the roller gets open. If you expose it too late or, or leave too late, I would say that's so good at finding, you know, backside shooters. And obviously he's a major threat with the ball in his hands. So there's a lot, of, a lot of parts to that just within one simple, you know, Possession uh, that you have to be solid at. So hopefully we're we're working towards being better this time around.
0: These seniors have been through a lot over the last four or five years. What, what to you? What's their legacy? I know they have more work to do yet. But
1: what, in your opinion, what, what what's their legacy? Well, I think the one thing we've talked about a lot with this group, from almost from the beginning, is you know uh, leave your jersey in a better place. Make it, make it better than when you when you got here. And I think these guys, obviously, they've had a lot thrown at them. There's been a lot of, you know, you mentioned adversity, and, and nothing was more adverse or has been more life-altering than what they went through with Coach Moore and his family. But, uh, you know, I think that's the thing that stands with this group. They've left this place or will leave this place on uh, uh, in, a, in a very good place from a standpoint of culture and, and work ethic and the things that this program stands for and has stood for. Um, through the years. So that's was really a point of it, like I said, from the very beginning when these guys were freshmen, and they've done a good job of, of really cementing that in place. Greg, obviously three more – I mean, we talk about it all the time in the Big Ten – three more tough games coming up to finish off the regular season. Do you feel like it's important to win at least one of these to kind of get a little bit more of momentum rolling into tournament time? You want to win them all. I mean, there's not one that you look at and say, oh, we don't want to win that one. I mean, they're all – I'm just looking at one, and I, I know we've got a couple more after that, but you really, um, I, I know I've said it before, and some feel it's cle- too much of a cliche, but you really operate one day and one game at a time. So that's, we'll focus on or have been fo- focusing on Illinois, and when that's done, then we'll move on to next and uh, keep doing that through, that's that's how you work through a process and, and uh, try to improve each day. So we, we are doing everything we can do to, to win everyone, um, but we're focused, like I said, primarily only on the one coming up on Saturday. Yeah, Greg, with the, the week of golf leading up to this Illinois game, how significant is it that you will be playing this one at home, regardless of who the opponent is? You have this break, you rest up, recollect yourselves, and you have the game at home, or is it even significant at all?
0: Well, I think it's
1: two parts to that, George. One, anytime at this point in the year that you can get a little break, and this was, you know, obviously our COVID makeup reschedule game week that it was intentionally put here by the league and fortunately we didn't have any to have to to make back up so you take advantage of it um you know not every school in the league is in that position but um you know so you if there is a gap that appears if you can take advantage of it and you whenever you can stack two days together is always way more advantageous than just giving one or even splitting two days we found just over the years but um so you use those couple of days to recharge and, you know, just, just late February um, allows these guys to stay on top of things academically, too. Um, and then what was the other part of your question, a home game? You know, Yeah, being at- I've said, yeah, I've said from the beginning, you can tell that being at home is not the advantage that it usually is. And being on the road is not the disadvantage it usually is. So I think we've seen that play both on both sides of the plate um, through the through the season wondering, can you share
0: some of what your message was back last year around March 12th when the Big Ten tournament was canceled? What the message was to the team then, knowing that the future was somewhat uncertain then? And, and how has that message maybe helped the guys throughout this season? Well, I mean, the point in time when
1: that was all canceled, when I had them together, it was only the Big Ten tournament that had been canceled. The NCAA had not announced that until later. And, you know, we went on spring break. Um, and that was March 10th, 11th, 12th in there. And we didn't see them again in, in their entirety until early September. So I think at that point in time, you know, knowing that, all right, the Big Ten tournament's going to be canceled. We were going to see at that point in time, we got end up getting canceled later that day. You're holding on hope that the NCAA would find a way to make it work. Um, but obviously within a few hours that, that didn't uh, play out how you wanted to. So my message at that point in time was not knowing what the future was going to entail. And obviously, I don't think anybody envisioned it lasting this long or being at this point in time. Um, I don't think we really had a cr- true understanding of what COVID was in, in our area of the country and and obviously what a pandemic is. So uh, my message was, hey, if, if this is going to be the end of it, we picked a heck of a way to finish it out, you know, to walk off your last game with the trophy in hand, um, that if that's how it's going to end, than uh, trying to look at just from a positive standpoint, knowing how disappointed people were or guys were going to be with no Big Ten tournament and, and no conference tournament or no NCAA tournament, just trying to look at what we accomplished and and uh, have them focus on that. So um, I think at that point in time, like I said, nobody I would have thought we maybe had the guys back by June, July, and obviously this is we're still in dealing with with uh, the the impact of. Of the virus, so um, that was the main message at that point in time. Let's just focus on positive things and congrats on what they had done.
2: And kind of following up with that, now that you have gone through a full year of a, a pandemic basketball season, what have you learned about yourself, uh, coaching style, just in, in general about kind of how
0: you approach things with with the guys? Well, it's it's so different. There's no doubt.
1: There's there's so many things that have changed, and I think that's been talked about a lot. Um, but just how you how you navigate um just all this the other stressors that this has brought to our not only our players but you know people in our program people that were around all the time it's you know there's a lot of abnormalcy adnor- and and people have been impacted in different ways about it by it um so you're you're cognizant i know mental health has been talked about a lot and i've been asked about that in the past um, that's you're obviously always aware of that but i think you're even on higher alert uh, with those those type of things um, you know at this point in time so that's just everything has been different you know nothing has been really the same as much as we try to keep it normal and try to keep some normalcy you know really uh, uh, a lot of it is totally different and your approach has to be different in terms of not only how we meet how we we don't use our haven't used our film room all year um, and we had to be in spacious, and obviously, confinements are how we eat. I know Brad talked about some of that stuff that has changed. That um, you know, you add all those things up, and that obviously becomes um, causes more stress and more anxiety for the individuals
2: involved. Yeah, Greg, just wanted to ask real quick about injuries. If there's an update on Ben Carlson and his timeline to come back, and then for uh, Trevor Anderson as well. Both of you to look
1: compatible. Yeah, I mean, both are. <clears throat> ben hasn't done any contact stuff yet, so he's he's been doing a little bit more um, in terms of running and some of those things and some light drill work, uh, but no contact stuff yet, so I don't really you know, this really moves day to day with him. I think there's been progression, uh, but not to the point where he's returned to a full practice. I mean, he hasn't taken part in a full practice since mid-December so, but there are, you know, he's been doing a little bit more day by day. Um, And with Trevor very much the same thing. I mean, he did a little um, some non-contact stuff today. Um, we'll see as it goes through the week what he's allowed to do, and you know, really I get my update from our medical staff each day, and they tell me where uh, any individual is and what they can do and what they cannot do, and, and we move forward with who's able to go. Yeah, Greg, during the football season, we asked Paul this question late in the year about seniors coming back. Do you have a gut feeling if any of your guys can take advantage of that, or is that something you're going to address in earnest after the season's over, whenever it ends? Yeah, I'll address it after the season. You know, the only thing I, the only time I've ever talked to him about it is when the rules had changed by the NCA back in the fall, and just let them know that the, the rule was had been changed or that was going to be accessible to him. But after that, I've left it alone intentionally that I want them to enjoy and focus and embrace this year, and you know, we'll we'll deal with that and
0: and have those conversations. Um, you know, after the after the season. Then again, Wisconsin basketball coach. Greg Gardner, as the Badgers sit today, uh, they're 10-7 overall. They sit in 6th place in the Big Ten. They have some work to do to kind of get into that uh, double by uh, ranking. They can do it because in 5th place is Purdue at 10-6. Purdue has Penn State uh, come up here. And Wisconsin then will have, uh, they're a little bit behind Iowa as well. And then they have, like I said, the game next week against Iowa. You look at the Big Ten standings, Michigan's run away. Uh, with this league title and even though the Wolverines are not going to play a full slate of games they have been phenomenal since coming off a break starting with that win over Wisconsin they beat Ohio State and then they just pummeled Iowa last night at home 79-57 Luka Garza just 16 points uh, Franz Wagner 21 Uh, it's just really impressive what Michigan has done this year both pre-COVID pause and post-COVID pause other results around the league. Michigan State looks like a tournament team all of a sudden, which is no surprise considering those teams always get better as March rolls, uh, gets closer. 71-67 over Ohio State. I mentioned Illinois. And then the kind of the, the one that will be curious to Wisconsin fans, or at least somewhat enjoyable to Wisconsin fans, Northwestern ends their 13-game losing streak by winning 67-59 at Minnesota. And that loss by the Gophers guarantees that Wisconsin will finish above Minnesota in the Big Ten men's basketball stands for the 23rd season in a row. That's kind of a nice little nugget you can rub in the face of your friends over the border. So you look at where the Badgers stand, and like I said, it's kind of in their their hands here a little bit that they can sneak into that double-by standing. Iowa still has um, you know Nebraska coming up and then the game against Wisconsin. You know Purdue, Purdue's got, you know, like I said, Penn State... Then they go to Indiana. There's some opportunities here for Wisconsin to kind of climb up into that double-buy situation. But you have to take care of business first. got to take care of a wounded Illinois team, a a haggard Illinois team. And you have to earn that marquee victory. You need to continue this momentum because, face it, Wisconsin has played 17 Big Ten games. They haven't had a winning streak in Big Ten play longer than two games. It's It's the exact opposite of where they were last year when they had won eight in a row. And then they didn't have any postseason term to really kind of expand upon that. So senior day tomorrow will be big. You want to see these seniors go off in the right way. We know a couple of them probably will not return, or at least we are of the thought process that a couple probably won't return. I had a story up on BadgerBlitz.com talking to Travis Trice Sr., Demetri Trice's dad, who said that while it, they haven't had a formal conversation about it, it's highly unlikely that Trice will return next season. Keep in mind that Demetrius Trice is 24 years old already. After high school, he had one year of prep, and now he's a fifth-year senior. So the time is ticking on his clock to start earning professional dollars. And I think Trice can have a great uh, professional career, probably playing overseas. Don't see him as an NBA-type player, but I think Travis uh, Demetri Trice seems can have a nice, uh, established professional career and earn some dollars, considering that he is top 20 and top 10 in a lot of categories at Wisconsin. Three-pointers, assists, minutes played. That's another thing, too. He's top 10 in minutes all time at Wisconsin, so it's probably good for Demetrius Trice to move on, and I think the point guard spot looks really good moving forward for the Badgers. Some some good talent coming in with, with Chucky Hepburn, and, and you'll hope that Lauren Bowman uh, will be able to rejoin the team as well. You're listening to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Want to talk a little bit about Wisconsin hockey. I was going to talk a little bit about Wisconsin volleyball, too. Wisconsin volleyball has a ranked number one in the country they're 10-0 they're playing a top five they're supposed to play a top five team in Nebraska this weekend but unfortunately that series has been postponed because of COVID issues uh, with the Wisconsin volleyball team so they're going to take two weeks off but Wisconsin hockey has done some really nice things this season and it's it's a program that really has kind of been forgotten so to speak I mean the Badgers haven't uh been in a national title game in over over a decade. That was back in 2010. They haven't won a national title since 2006. So they, they've done, they had a great start to the Tony Granato era. In the last couple of years, they just have been not playing great hockey and finishing near the bottom of the Big Ten. And it just has been not enjoyable, I think, for fans to watch or really talk about. Well, now this year, Wisconsin hockey, they're ranked fifth in the country. They're 15-8-1. They're 13-6-1 in the Big Ten. And they have an outside chance to catch Mich- to catch Minnesota, to win the Big Ten regular season title, and you look at what this team is doing well, it's everything. They have great forward play. They have great offensive play. They're number one in the country in the power play. They have great defense. They have great goaltending on this team. And you look at players like Linus Weisbach, who's having a phenomenal start to a season. Uh, play to this season. Ty Pelton vice two goals, four assists. Uh, last weekend uh, in their series against Notre Dame where they won the first game and then tied the second. They're ranked, like I said, fifth in the nation for the second week in a row. That's ties their highest ranking since October of 2019. Uh, you look at Cole Caulfield and the work that this young phenom has done. He, If he scores one more time in the next four games, and I'm guessing he's probably going to, he will become UW's first 20-goal scorer since Luke Cunnan, tally 22 during the 2016-17 season. That's how long it's been since Wisconsin's had a 20-goal score. And there's been some pretty good 20-goal scores since uh, over the last 20 years. Uh, Robbie Earl, Joel Pavelski, uh, Dana Heatley, Blake Jeffery on, who won the Hobie Baker Award, top award in college hockey. Wisconsin has got some momentum on their side. And you're looking at them playing an Ohio State team that is playing really, really poor, and then you close the season at Michigan State. Michigan State's also playing really poor. So these are winnable games for Wisconsin. And the Badgers are kind of hinting and that they can make the NCAA tournament this season. And who kind of would have thought that after how poorly things had gone the last couple seasons? On Thursday, I had a conversation with Brian Posick, the voice of Wisconsin Hockey, talking about this team, the future of this team this season, and kind of moving forward under head coach Tony Granato. Wisconsin Hockey is having one of its best seasons in in years frankly 15-8-1 going into this weekend series at home against Ohio State the home finale at Le Bon Arena and I wanted to get some perspective on Wisconsin Hockey and who better to do that than Brian Posak the voice of Wisconsin Hockey Brian you look at this team and 15 wins that's more than they've had in the last couple seasons and there's still quite a few games to go and they're right kind of the thick here of the Big 10 standings what have you seen from this group this year and what's been a a truncated season, and they're playing some, like I said, they're playing some of their best hockey they have in years for Tony Granato.
2: Well, I think there's several reasons uh, why Wisconsin's better than it's been. You know, each of the last three years, they won only 14 games last year, finished in last place in the Big Ten. There was some uh, addition by subtraction. Um, There were a few players on last year's squad that uh, seemed to be more interested in their future than the present. And, um, and this year's club is, is tightly knit, um, not only, you know, in the locker room, on the bench, on the ice, but off the ice as well. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're spending so much time together in the middle of a pandemic. But Wisconsin's best players are leading the charge. First-round draft picks Cole Caulfield and Dylan Holloway, uh, Linus Weisbach, who could have stayed in his native Sweden and, and played professionally there, elected to come back. Uh, For his senior season, those three are nominees for the Hobie Baker Award as the best player in college hockey, and they are three of the top four scorers in the country. Caulfield leads away with 19 goals and 38 points. Holloway's averaging almost two points per game. He missed 10 while playing for uh, Hockey Canada in the World Junior Championship, and Weisbach has a career high in goals and points. Um, they've been playing very well, and senior Ty belton the Madison native son of former Badger John Bice, is playing the best hockey of his career, and had a six-point weekend last weekend against Notre Dame when he was the number one star uh, in the Big Ten. Uh, so chemistry, uh, their best players are leading the charge, and defensively, then they are so much better uh, than they've been. Last year, they allowed 3.8 goals per game. The save percentage for their goaltenders was around 87%. Uh, this year, the save percentage is about 925, which is very, very respectable at any level of of hockey. And Robbie, they transferred from Michigan Tech, and freshman Cameron Rowe have, have done a nice job backstopping this team to 15 wins. Uh, they're in second place in the Big Ten, a game and a half behind first place Minnesota. And they're knocking on the door for an NCAA tournament bid for the first time in seven years.
0: Yeah, I mean, you touched on a lot of things that, that I think are a reason why this team is doing well. And I think the main thing, Brian, is from from the outside looking at it, is that you have your, your young, talented players who could have gone pro coming back and have really bought in. Guys like Dylan Holloway, guys like Cole Caulfield, and... The, the good Wisconsin teams in the past years have their seniors playing the best. And I think that that's been a good mix. Kind of talk about that top line that Wisconsin has and how, just how dynamic they have been in kind of leading that charge offensively.
2: Well, here, for an example, right, they're going to play Ohio State this weekend. Ohio State's uh, been a team the last four years has won 20 games or more. So they've been uh, very consistent, won the Big Ten regular season title a couple of years ago. They have only six wins this year. They're re- rebuilding Steve Rollins, their head coach, former Badger captain uh, uh, of the national championship team in 1990. Ohio State has scored 44 goals in 22 games this season. The top line of Caulfield, Pelton and Weisbach, have scored thirty nine, mm-hmm. five fewer than Ohio State has as a team, which is just remarkable when when you look at that. I mean, Caulfield, um, you know, we we all know he's he's gifted offensively. He's got one of the hardest shots uh, you'll see um, uh, for a young man that stands barely five foot seven and may weigh one hundred sixty pounds soaking wet. Um, but he is um, he's one of the uh, most dynamic players this program has had, probably the most dynamic since Danny Heatley. Right, so I mean that's saying quite a bit. And Holloway um, is is a 19 year old, six foot one, 200 pound beast. Um, when he's got the puck on his stick, teams can't get it from him. And he, not only is he a playmaker, but he can put the puck away as well. And it's um, you know clearly uh, you can understand why Edmonton took him with a 14th pick in the draft last year. And he's centering the second line. Um, which also features Roman Eshan, who was last year's team MVP. He started slowly, but he's caught fire here lately. So you're, you're dealing with two extraordinarily gifted offensive lines. And then the third line, which is more of the checking defensive line, has been very effective, centered by senior Tarek Baker. And the fourth line, actually, when there were some COVID issues back in late November, early December, uh, players from that fourth line uh, stepped up and contributed and scored goals, scored points, and, and the Badgers uh, played some respectable hockey. So really up and down the the, the line, uh, when you talk about forwards, um, uh, there's really no weakness on this club. Uh, they're pretty good defensively in their own zone. They play well in the neutral zone. And, and then you look at the power play, too, Ben. It's 31%. I mean, that's um, that leads the country. And Wisconsin hasn't had a power play click at 30% since I think 81-82 yeah. um, so I mean they are a treat to watch when they have the man advantage they use five forwards out there and they fly and, and move all over the place teams just struggle mightily to defend that power play and that's another big reason why Wisconsin's where it's at right now
0: yeah, and they're the fifth youngest team in, in Division One. I mean, there's only 51 teams, but still, they have the fifth youngest team, and kind of be right there it is impressive at this late in the season. I mean, you you need good leadership on a team that young to kind of keep all your ducks in the row. Who who's kind of the de facto leader on this team that maybe fans wouldn't really point to? Is that that's the kind of the glue that's keeping this team kind of pressing forward at such a high clip?
2: Well, I, there are a few. So no, I mentioned Ty Pelton, Vice. I mean, he just. He is such a, he's wise beyond his years. You know, they, they talk about basketball IQ. Well, he's got the hockey IQ. He sees things before they develop. Um, and he's just a quiet leader that uh, his teammates respect him. Targ Baker's another one. Here's a kid that, you know, as a freshman uh, scored um, double digit goals and, and had been a scorer his first two years, but uh, he's been asked to be more of a, a defensive player and a shutdown centerman. And he's accepted that role and his teammates appreciate that. But the unquestioned leader of the team is, is defenseman Ty Emerson, the junior from Eau Claire, third round pick of the Arizona Coyotes. He's got the C on his sweater this year. And, and he, um, I mean, he set things straight. He sat the team down when the season started and said, this is how we're going to operate. We are going to build a culture here where everybody is in. And if you're not, you're out. And, uh, and nobody messes with Ty Emerson, so he's been a uh, perfect fit as the captain of this club, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. And I should throw in Tyler Inamoto, another assistant captain, a solid defenseman, one of the leading shot blockers in the country. Uh, those four are the ones that are leading the charge.
0: Brian, this team sits uh, four points out of first place in the Big Ten with with four games to go. You mentioned Ohio State this week, and then they got Michigan State next week, and Michigan State's also having a rough season. You know, Minnesota yep. has uh, just Two left against Michigan. Kind of weigh out the Big Ten here this year. I mean, it seems like Wisconsin can catch Minnesota just by Minnesota having played two less games. What what do you kind of take care of the final two weekends of the regular season?
2: Well, we're we're no longer looking at points. You know, if this was a normal year, um, league title and seeding for the conference tournament would be determined by points. You get three points for a regulation win, two points for an overtime win, two points for a shootout win, one point for an overtime loss, one point for a, a shootout loss. But uh, because of COVID and the fact a uh, number of games have been canceled, Minnesota was supposed to play at Penn State this weekend. But Penn State has had to cancel its last six games because of COVID issues. Mm-hmm. So that's why Minnesota is playing two last games. So the determining factor is winning percentage. That's the number one tiebreaker for the conference title and the number one seed. So right now, Minnesota's got a 750 winning percentage. Uh, Wisconsin's right behind. But with the you know, with the Four games, you have more chances to win, but you also have more chances to lose. Right. So, uh, as we look at it, Wisconsin—if Wisconsin goes four and zero, and Minnesota uh, splits its series or uh, only wins one game against uh, Michigan—then the Badgers should have the conference title. If the Badgers go three and one, they need Minnesota to lose twice to Michigan. So, and Michigan is a team that you, you, you cannot disregard. Uh, Tony Granato has said repeatedly that he thinks they have more talent on their roster than any team in the country, let alone the Big Ten. And, you know, and we're talking about the Wisconsin hockey team that I just broke down and said how good they are. He thinks Michigan has more talent than anybody else in the country. And uh, and Michigan's had some games postponed because of COVID issues with other teams, um, but they can beat anybody. They went 3-1 and one against Wisconsin, and um, and they they could, they could go up to Mariucci and, and beat Minnesota once or twice. I mean, that would... Besides the fact that I'll be watching my series this weekend and then next weekend when the Badgers are at Michigan State watching the Gophers and the Wolverines play next weekend, that's going to be some high-level college hockey.
0: Obviously, Tony's done a great job this season, kind of mixing the the young talent with, with the veterans, and having having the veterans play at such a high level. He's got a great coaching staff around him. Uh, you look at his first season when he went twenty fifteen one, and he was Big Ten Coach of the Year. I mean, Barry made such a big deal about this hire; he's going to knock your socks off. And I think Tony lived up to that with the first year, considering how poorly the program had played previously. I think they were they had won just twelve of their seventy games in the two years before Tony took over. That Correct. having been said, you know, you had the great year, then you had some lean. Years and now they're kind of on their way back up. It, does Tony like where his program is at, and are are the Badgers at where you think they should be after what Tony has kind of gone through in his uh, in his four or five seasons here so far?
2: Yeah, you know, his first season, I think um, uh, the team was living off his enthusiasm and uh, uh, newness, right, mm-hmm. and uh, and maybe played uh, well. They did. They played well above anybody's expectations and missed making the NCAA tournament by an overtime goal against Penn State in the Big Ten Tournament championship game. Um, and then, you know, they're, they're, the cupboard was not um, was not stacked, let me tell you that, when, when he arrived here uh, a few years ago. So it's taken some time to rebuild and longer than he would have liked. Uh, you know, he, he talked up his team last year like this is the team, this is what we want. And, uh, and they, they, you know, basically finished the season with egg on their face. And, uh, and I jumped on with the, on the hype train too, because you saw the talent that they had in the NHL draft picks and the first rounders and what have you. But there were some deficiencies with that club. And now it's taken a little bit longer, as I mentioned, but they believe that they've got, um, the culture in place now, uh, to be a consistent winner here, uh, not only this season, but for years to come. And yes, there are going to be some guys that are going to move on. To the NHL, and obviously, kids will graduate. We, who knows what's going to happen with the seven seniors this year and the NCA waiver for the extra year of eligibility? Um, but nevertheless, they've got a, a solid recruiting class coming in next year. Of course, in Kuhlmanns is a projected number one draft pick that they love, and uh, so I think that they're they're headed in the right direction. Where you know we are going to see Wisconsin hockey be what it should be, what fans believe it should be, and what it was when it was uh, one of the most dominant programs in all the country in the 70s and 80s and uh, into the early 90s.
0: That leads you to my final question, Brian. Do do you think this is sustainable? Obviously, you mentioned with the NCAA, with the waivers um, for for players, that's a question that's starting to be brought up now with the Wisconsin basketball team, with their big allotment of seniors. Have any of the seniors on this team, or even like the younger players who are high draft picks, have... Any idea of kind of where they might go or what they might do with this season? And like I said, even if a host of these players leave, can Wisconsin yeah. be one of those teams that can be competing now with the cupboard starting to have a little bit more product to, to compete on an annual basis?
2: Yeah, I think so. You know, they changed the recruiting philosophy, Ben. You know, they they would bring in you know fantastic young high-end talent, right? And so oftentimes those young men were 18, 19 years old. Well, now they're sprinkling in that high-end talent with uh, the players that have played longer in, in junior hockey, the USHL, the North American League, or in the Canadian Junior Leagues. So they're bringing in 20-year-old freshmen um, to help supplement the roster. So um, recruiting-wise, they, they feel like they're in good shape. As far as the seniors are concerned, I don't know who plans to come back. Um, you know, Robbie Baidun, as I mentioned, he's a graduate transfer from Michigan Tech. Um, uh, I'm assuming that he may uh, decide to move on, although he's, he's, been, he's he said this week that he's never had more fun than he's had this year with this Wisconsin hockey team. Um, but, we'll, you know, we'll have to wait and see. I, I, you know, I think Weisbach has a chance to, to play professionally. Um, I think Felton Bice, if he chose to, would get a look as well. Uh, Tyler Inomoto uh, as well. He's a Florida Panthers draft choice. Josh asked the Chicago Blackhawks draft choice. Um, And then, you know, Cole Caulfield has said his goal is to to be in the National Hockey League once this season ends uh, at Wisconsin. And I wouldn't be surprised. Montreal Canadiens are drooling to get him on board. Uh, Will Dylan Holloway depart? Again, I mentioned he's only 19 years old. Um, Right now I'd say that's 50-50. The Edmonton Oilers are stacked up front, so I'm not sure where he'd exactly fit into that lineup next season. Um, so, but I do think it, it is sustainable. I, I, I do, and the way Cameron Rowe has played in goal, the freshman, uh, I think they feel really good about um, about his future. And you know, if if you keep the puck out of your own net, uh, you're going to be in pretty good shape. If the other team doesn't score, Ben, generally you win those games, right? So that's what Bill Howard, the old uh, goaltender coach, used to say. So I think I, I think for the long haul, this program is is uh, is on the right path.
0: I'm writing that one down, Brian. If you hold a team to no goals, you usually win. Although you you and I, back in the day, have covered some 0-0 games,
2: (laughs) which is just
0: a heck of a lot of fun to have to write copy on a 0-0 game for for various publications. Just leave it blank. And you mentioned you mentioned the way Tony's recruiting that that it reminds me a little bit of of what Mike Eaves struggled with from a time where after they yeah. they had so much they won in '06 and they went to the title game in '10 and those were veteran teams with talent mixed in it seemed like Mike almost went more towards the young talent and kind of forgot about the veteran aspect and that's why he that's why the program kind of stalled for a long period of time before Tony came in it's it's a hard balance it's a hard thing to balance because even though you go for that top end talent that top end talent's probably not going to be around for for 3 4 years you need that mix you need that yep. to make the stew taste good instead of just being a one note kind of kind yeah. of recipe
2: yeah there's no question about that you know it's okay if you want to bring in two or three a year knowing that in a year or two they might depart um, you need those Three and four year guys uh, to be around and to help continue, uh, uh, you know, the culture that they they've built and, and want to continue. So, yeah, it's uh, they've they've adjusted their recruiting philosophy, and I think uh, I think they've figured it out. Um, and uh, and we'll see where it goes. And again, I'm I'm optimistic just from what I've seen this year and how this team has played. And you know, and and uh, I can't say enough about uh, Emerson's leadership. And what Caulfield has done as well. I mean, he's transposed himself, or uh, he's he's transformed himself into a 200 foot player. Where uh, before he was, it was it was offense, 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 and and too many times uh, his teammates were playing five on four in the defensive zone. Um, he is he's engaged all over the ice, and uh, um, you know he's he's been fun to watch. And and for those of your listeners on this podcast that haven't seen. Wisconsin Hockey, they're on Fox Sports Wisconsin uh, Friday night at 7 Saturday at 4 o'clock um, and uh, I mean they're a treat they're, they're a treat to watch they get up and go, they score a lot they're physical, they hit it's, it's kind of like Badger Hockey of old Are you
0: on the, uh, the TV call this weekend or are you having the voice for yeah. radio?
2: No, I'll have to comb my hair this weekend, no baseball hat, but um, yeah, no, I'm doing TV this weekend, and then radio the rest of the way, get to travel with the team to the Big Ten Tournament, uh, wherever they go in the NCAA Regionals, Frozen Four is in Pittsburgh, April 8th through the 10th, so uh, I'm on board, driving myself, and uh, I'll enjoy every minute.
0: If you want to tune in to watch Brian Posick in his sharp dress suit called Wisconsin Hockey Like he said 7 o'clock. Friday, 4 o'clock from Lebon Arena on Saturday. Brian, good to talk to you. Enjoy some hockey the rest of the way. And as always, we'll see you on the golf course. All right, thanks, Benjamin. See you. That is our podcast for this Friday. My thanks again to Brian Posick for taking some time out of his schedule, getting ready for Wisconsin-Ohio State tonight on Fox Sports Wisconsin. Wisconsin and Illinois tomorrow afternoon from the Kohl Center. Senior night, senior afternoon, I should say. It will be a big game for the Badgers in terms of their mental psyche, and, and also in terms of their NCAA tournament resume, to finally get that signature win. You can follow me live from the Cole Center. I'll be at Twitter, the Badger Nation. Read our postgame coverage at BadgerBlitz.com. And as always, follow along for all the latest Wisconsin football, basketball, and recruiting news on Twitter at Badger underscore Blitz. Enjoy the warming temperatures, at least here if you're in the state of Wisconsin. Stay safe out there. And as always, thank you for downloading and listening to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast.